Thanks to Masterclass for supporting the Apple Bits XL. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash applebits. All right, everybody, we've got some iPhone things to talk about. Of course, we're going to talk about the M3 Max MacBook Pro review that I put up on my channel and Apple Vision Pro stuff. It's a come in. But you know what time it is. Let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host. Doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. It is a little later in the week. It's a Wednesday. We have another show coming up, but I had to travel again. I've been traveling Non-stop, so obviously sometimes content gets pushed and moved around. I am in Cupertino right now, and you can make the deduction that if I'm in Cupertino, I'm here for a reason, and that's all I can tell you at the moment of this podcast. So pay attention to what's going on on my channel. There'll be some stuff dropping this week related directly to why I'm here in Cupertino. But as we keep on talking about all this stuff, hey, we got iPhone stuff, we've got Apple Vision Pro stuff, and we're going to talk about the M3 Max MacBook Pros. Now, before we get to all the stories, you know we got some orders of business to get to. Hey, you want to be a part of the show? All you got to do is record a voice memo, send it in, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about. Send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That is applebits with a Z as I lose my voice. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com is how you support all my content, my videos, my podcasts, everything I do. I'm so grateful for your support. And what does it actually get you, right? Well, it starts at $2 per month, $5, which is like a cup of coffee. You got the 10, the 25, and the $100 platinum Apple level. It gets your early access to my content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of this podcast every time. So you can support that. Thank you so much. We keep on cranking. It's been a wild Techtember, Techtober, Techvember, and it's still going strong, but patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support. All right, let's get to the stories, and this is an official announcement from Apple. As of the morning of this recording, iPhone 14 users will get free emergency SOS via satellite for another year. Now, remember when Apple first revealed this service, it was going to be free for two years after device activation, which would have expired in November of 2024 for people that got that right out of the gates. So now it's going to be free for an additional year start or for two more years starting today at the time of activation of any iPhone 14 model. That's pretty awesome. So Apple says the free trial will be extended, and this is geared specifically towards iPhone 14 users who have activated their device in any country that supports the feature prior to 12 a.m. Pacific time on November 15th. And we've heard of all the stories of how people, there's someone who like their car plummeted over a 400 foot cliff in Los Angeles, lost hikers found in Italy. There's plenty of stories how emergency SOS has been available and how to actually save the lives and helped out people. So this feature itself is available on iPhone 14 and iPhone 15 models. So that's the entire lineup. And then it uses a connection to satellites to make that connection when you have no cell phone signal, no coverage, and no ability to call 911. 
in case of an emergency. And then also we know that in iOS 17, this was rolled out and kind of extended to a new service called Roadside Assistance via satellite, which is not the necessarily the same as an emergency, but let's say anything from you leave your light on and your battery dies to your car gets a flat tire or maybe you run out of gas or now these days a charge, roadside assistance via satellite is also another layer and an, an additional service that is part of this. And that is also free for now until Apple decides uh, maybe they'll change it. But that's, I love that. So if you have any iPhone 14 and you're thinking it was going to expire, like you're good to go. That is so good. And it is a crucial feature that you may not use right now, but if it happens, it's super important. So yeah, that's a good Apple. I love that. Also, the latest report from 9to5Mac, if you didn't know or didn't hear, the iPhone 15 lineup is the first smartphone on the market to support Qi 2 wireless charging. And the first Qi 2 accessories for iPhone 15 are coming reportedly in time for this holiday season. Now, if you're not as familiar with it, Qi 2 is the second generation of Qi wireless charging, which you've typically seen like the letter Q and I, but it's pronounced Qi. And what makes this different? It's it's all about magnets. And essentially, it's similar to Apple's proprietary MagSafe charging system. So Qi 2 charging unlocks up to 15 watts wireless charging. Plus then you get the benefits of the magnetic charging. Um, this also includes better efficiency and easier alignment. And the iPhone 15 will be able to support these Qi 2 accessories. Apple also played a role in helping develop this new standard. And so... I guess the best way to to describe what it is is that this is the um, generic version of MagSafe for everyone without calling it MagSafe. And then Apple does have a little bit of their own connectivity and accessories that they've built an ecosystem with MagSafe. Like they even have a certification for MagSafe accessories. So the best way to describe it is, again, like Qi 2 is generic flavor that everyone can use. And we got companies like Belkin and Mophie and Anchor that are in the final stages of certification. Uh, that's according to the Wireless Power Consortium. And these new accessories will be available in time for the holiday season. And arguably and probably will and should be cheaper than the current MagSafe certified accessories. Uh, we'll see how that all plays out at the same time. They could maybe, they could say, hey, if Apple's charging this much, we're going to charge this much. But she 2 wireless accessories coming by the end of this year, sometime in the holiday season. Now, I've talked about it a lot, and I said before WWDC that I would be disappointed if Apple didn't expand on or show more uh, artificial intelligence or AI features in their OS, and it's not because they need to follow the trend, but it is an important part of what people and platforms are doing with their phones. You have Google, who's built their own chip with essentially an AI engine. You saw Snapdragon recently release their latest uh, chip with an AI engine. You have MediaTek, which is typically in Chinese phones, release a new chip, the Dimensity 9300 with an AI engine. And Apple does have, uh, you know, a neural machine learning and, you know, neural networks and performance on their chip itself. But we know that Apple has not really pushed hard into this AI space 
or generative AI space. And Tim Cook has always talked about how, hey, uh, we're, we're taking our time figuring out how we want to implement it. Well, according to the latest reports from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, Apple internally believes that it's iOS 18, macOS 15, watchOS 11, and tvOS 18 updates next year will be, in air quotes, ambitious and compelling because of new software features and designs specifically pushing towards artificial intelligence infused into the OS. Now, there's not many specifics known about it at the moment, and things can change, but some of these features involved are reportedly going to involve generative AI, a smarter version of Siri that takes the virtual assistant's integration with the operating system to, as I hate saying this, another level. According to Apple leaker Tech Reeve, Apple's also relying on large language models and completely revamping Siri to make it what they believe will be the ultimate virtual assistant and Apple's most powerful killer AI app. And this is going to be really interesting because for those of you who, I know this is an Apple-centric podcast, but you also know that I cover really anything tech. Um, Apple is the focus. Google's Pixel 8 Pro and what they're doing with AI features and their Google Assistant and now involving Bard, which is basically their generative AI slash chat GPT in their own Google Assistant. It's really smart. They already do amazing stuff with call screening, but the new Google Assistant with Bard, again, giving that generative AI uh, capability, is expected to be coming out or be a release sometime by the end of this year. And so I'm really curious how Google's approach versus Apple's approach is going to be. We know that Apple tends to take a different spin. We also know that Apple is arguably and quite honestly the most trustworthy OS from a standpoint of data and privacy, but that is also limited what they can do from a standpoint of what information they gather, what information they collect. But I'm not saying that they're loosening the reins, but I'm just I'm really curious to see how AI is going to be folded into Apple's ecosystem. You know, they at WWDC 23, they talked about iOS and they talked about how, you know, there's a they don't even use the word artificial intelligence and they zone in and more targetedly call it like transformer models um, and learning in and machine learning in their iOS, but not to the capability that we've seen Google implement it and how, right, not only is AI a buzzword, but the whole, to me, the whole benefit of AI is to kind of take care of some of the mundane, redundant tasks and allow human work to be more creative, but help aid in that. Is it technically eliminating jobs? We've already seen that happen in different industries um, with modernization, with technology, but AI, you know, there there is a a balancing act that has to be played of what features feel icky and what don't. I remember um, Google has this feature in their OS where you take, you know, when you take group shots, a lot of times you take it multiple times and someone's looking in the wrong direction or someone's not smiling or a kid's like not paying attention and you wish you just had that perfect shot where you could see everyone looking directly at the camera and smiling. They have a feature that allows you to do that when you take three or four snaps of a of a group and then manually decide which face you want. And that some people thought that was really icky. And I I actually think if you're in that moment and you're taking a bunch of them and you want the best version of the photo, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is adding completely different elements in a photo that never existed. I'm actually okay with editing and removing things. But when it comes to like 
adding a real dinosaur that you're running from and claiming it was a real photo, then I'm kind of worried about that. You know, I'd like in a, I'd also kind of like this idea, not that it's really going to happen unless there is some kind of kind of call for it where we could see some sort of watermark if you use AI to enhance a photo. Even YouTube just announced, I believe today, that they are going to have a tool that has creators indicate to viewers if AI was used in their videos. And literally three or four months ago, I had talked about this idea to my friend, like, man, I think I'm just going to put this fun little stamp in the very beginning of my videos that says like 100% human made handcrafted by a real, like a real human being, just because of all the AI stuff that's happening. I think it is a differentiator when we really know that someone handcrafted this from scratch and did not actually use any AI tools because there's going to be a lot of people that do. And so that could be a differentiator, but back to the topic of AI and Apple's OS, you know, Apple is expected to be on course to spend $1 billion per year on AI research. Um, a lot of its top executives are overseeing the development. And German says that internally, Apple is clearly racing to catch up with Google and OpenAI. And OpenAI is the company who has ChatGPT who, that made AI and interacting with AI more tangible to the tech world and general consumers. And they've even opened up new developer tools to allow people to kind of create their own chatbot that might be specific to their industry and feed it information and let it output stuff. It's There's so much stuff happening in this generative AI space, which when I say generative AI, it basically means AI creating content for you based on information that's given or that it pulls from, right? There's a difference between, you know, an AI giving us an itinerary based on things we request versus um, yeah, like just auto spell spell check or correct or, or grammar corrections. So this could mean, this could make, make iOS 18 and iPad OS 18 and the new OS is coming next year be significantly different and interesting. And if anything, how are we, how are phones going to evolve when everyone says smartphones have peaked, smartphones have plateaued, cameras are cameras, our phones are cameras. It is really these new software features and AI specifically that could bring something new to the table if presented properly to us. So I'd love to hear what you all think about that. Like, are you are you interested in, do you want AI on your phone, on an iPhone? Do you welcome it? Are you opposed to it? You know, there's some people that still are like, I don't want anything to do with AI and that's okay. I, this is such a gray and constantly evolving and developing topic. Like I got a chance to talk to Google CEO Sundar Pichai and he even emphasized that there will be bumps along the road, there will be missteps, but ultimately if you look at the trajectory of AI over the course of how it evolves and grows, it's going to be spectacular. And I I totally agree with that assessment. So AI features coming to iOS 18 and other operating systems potentially by next year and uh, we're really curious to see how that looks. All right, if we're talking software, hey, uh, you know, Apple still hasn't released all the features that they showed us at WWDC, and I'm talking about iOS 17. So right now, the iOS 17.2 beta, the second one, right, is out in testing. And so there's a few things that I wanted to at least talk about that are in the beta journal app, right? This is that huge app that they spent a lot of time talking about how we could document our day, our daily activities, our thoughts, um, using it as inspiration, using it to track our mood, using it to track 
how we feel when certain events or things are happening around us. There's also messages, app sticker reactions that are part of this. Yes, reactions to a sticker. So it lets you either choose a sticker or an emoji to apply over the corner of an iMessage. And then the big one for me that I'm really excited about, spatial video recording. So with iOS 17.2 and the iPhone 15 Pro and 15 Pro Max specifically, they can be used to record spatial video that is going to be viewable on the Photos app in the Vision Pro headset. Now, you can go into your you'll be able to go into the settings app, go into the camera section and select different formats and toggling on spatial video for Apple Vision Pro, that would give you the best results. Um the iPhone will then be if you saw the demos, right? Remember when Apple Vision Pro first came out and I talked about this spatial video was really immersive and it felt like you were there but it was basically like a a square proportion because it's using the camera coming from the Apple Vision Pro. Whereas you're using your iPhone, you're getting a landscape video. It's expected to be recorded at 30 frames per second, 1080p. One minute of video takes up roughly 130 megs of storage. So think about this, 10 minutes of video is basically a a little over, not a little, but it's over a gig of storage per video. Um, But Apple needs content to drive people to use their devices. Apple Vision Pro, without a doubt, one of its main features is it's going to be a content consumption device. And I'm genuinely excited. I'm not saying buy the $3,499 starting price Apple Vision Pro, but just because of spatial video. But damn, do I want to see this and see how good it looks? Yes. Like this gets me juiced. So if you want to watch your spatial videos directly on the phone, which you can, according to the report and the beta, uh, they will appear as normal videos, but viewing the video in 3D is going to require the Vision Pro itself. That's cool. There's also a new option in iOS 17.2's beta to create a playlist in Apple Music that multiple people can add to. So in the playlist that you make, um, if you tap on the three-dot icon in the top right of the app, you can then choose to collaborate and sh- and start collaboration you create a link to the playlist. Anyone who has access to that link can add to it. So this is a living playlist amongst friends that you can change constantly. That's, I love that. I mean, this is not anything new per se, but I think that's a fun addition to the Apple ecosystem. Um, And then you have an Apple Music listening history focus filter. There's a new action button translate feature that has been teased on the action button, but that will now be rolling out and functional when you hold that action button and you set it for the translate option that listens to spoken text and then translate from one set language to another using the languages that you have previously already set up in the translate app. So Google has obviously their own translate app, which is amazing. And they've even shown some really cool stuff with the pixel fold of how you can use the two screens. So bringing this to the Apple iPhone platform with iOS 17.2 with the action button, just gives it more versatility. I I almost want to say, remember the action button? Like, are people even talking about that? And my biggest criticism of it in my review was that it still is a mute silent ring switch. You can customize it, but if you really use, which we've always, most people have used that for the ring silent switch, um, without any ability to do multiple functionality, I want to be able to do a double tap. I want to be able to do a triple tap. That makes it, actually really useful for me. So uh, we'll wait and see 
There's iMessages in iCloud syncing. That's been, um, you know, the messages section in iCloud in your settings app has now been renamed messages in cloud. So you can see all that information. The Apple TV app has now removed the separate tabs for movies and TV shows in the store section. Um, so these are like tweaks that Apple has planned to eventually remove the option to purchase TV shows and movies from the iTunes app and make it as part of the TV app redesign. But that just, that hasn't happened yet. So there's a few other things like weather widgets. That's an addition. Digital clock widget. That's another addition. And then contact posters. You can, you know, uh, add one of the features, adding rainbow color text as a text option. Uh, there's a new fast fade book page turning animation. And then the new AirPlay uh, receiver setting will allow the upcoming Apple Vision Pro headset to stream or share content to the iPhone. So a lot of these little hooks, um, there's a new body section that you can add to your Memoji where you can customize your waist, your bust, your shoulders, your arms. I mean, iOS 17.2 has a lot of little nuggets that you should keep your eye out on and definitely some stuff that you'll you'll be using. So that is in beta right now and then we'll be rolling out in the new future. Also, just a quick thing about Apple Vision Pros, we talked about it. Vision OS beta 6, right? Because developers have access to these tools, gets a new onboarding video and why this onboarding video is, you know how when you sometimes, I think, what was it back in the day? Even I, I believe like setting up, uh, Air, was it AirPods Max or some devices, you'd get like a little mini quick demo video. Well, in Vision OS Beta 6, it's been unearthed of this new, like what we call an onboarding video to kind of show you how to set it up. And what's interesting about this setup is it actually shows how to set up your persona, right? Your persona is that digital avatar that can be used in FaceTime calls. It also represents when you are using the Vision Pro headset and you're in a room with someone and for social cues to still be there, which is still kind of creepy and I'm, we'll see how this plays out in real life, but they can see a digital representation of your eyes looking at them while the headset is on because there's a display on the outside of the Vision Pro. They show you how to take, um, how to capture digital persona. You basically take the Vision Pro off, you hold it in front of you, you point it in front of you, and then ask you to do things like do a closed smile face, do an open teeth smile face, close your eyes, and from those images or snapshots and scans that it takes, then it helps to build your digital persona that can then be used in the app. So it's just kind of fun to see little nuggets of that in action. All right, let's take a moment to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Masterclass. Now, as a content creator and someone who's literally doing everything on his own, you all see it. Getting better every day, that's always something that I'm trying to do in ways, I would say, big and small. And James Clear's Masterclass on Building Better Habits has legitimately helped me change some of my approaches and just make small changes that can help me be more efficient. And with Masterclass, you don't need to wonder if you're getting the best class. You can be confident in what you're learning. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Now, I'm working with Masterclass, and I have a deal for you here. With a Masterclass, you can take a one-on-one classes from the world's best for $10 a month with your annual membership. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AppleBits. 
Now, this fall, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass from leadership to effective communication to cooking. Whether you're watching Masterclass on TV, listening in audio mode in the app or on their site, the quality, it speaks for itself. And it's like Masterclass instructors are your own personal mentors. They're going to help you reach the next level. Now, how much would it cost to take one-on-one classes from the world's best Well, that's easily hundreds to thousands of dollars. And with a Masterclass annual membership, it's $10 a month. Now, memberships start at $120 a year for limited access to one-on-one classes with all 180 plus Masterclass instructors. You can learn how to negotiate a raise with Chris Voss or manage your relationships with Esther Pearl. Uh, There are over 180 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like the Science of Better Sleep with Matthew Walker. Now that help me prioritize and find better ways to fall asleep and renew myself for the next day, even when I'm traveling and when I'm grinding and I'm staying up all these late nights on my own. Boost your confidence and find practical takeaways that you can apply to your life and at work. And if you own a business or are a team leader, use Masterclass to empower and create future-ready employees and leaders. And right now, again, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash applebits so get 15 percent off right now at masterclass.com slash applebits masterclass.com slash applebits all right hey let's talk um macbook pros because if you saw my channel i put out the reviews of the new m3 max macbook pros and it's just so interesting after i do my review to see the different wide range of responses some people saying oh my god it's incredibly fast um obviously the big external thing is the whole space black color which can look dark at times um is definitely darker than space gray but really looks more like a charcoal dark 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 gray and not black unless the lighting is very specific where it looks it's just really dark right um it's not black black uh the fingerprint reduction on it because it has this anodization seal that there's a i guess a chemistry process chemical process that they do that lowers fingerprints that is absolutely a real thing on this new thing but is that enough for me to say hey if you have an m1 max macbook pro or even an m1 pro macbook pro or even an m1 do you really need this and you know the short answer to this is let's have let's call it a medium answer is that I did all the benchmark tests. And the benchmark tests can tell you only so much, you know, from a performance standpoint, based on my Geekbench benchmarks, it had a 30% faster CPU performance and I think roughly like 50 or 60% faster GPU performance. Okay, that's great. Um, We know that the GPU and the M3 Max has new features like uh, ray tracing for more realistic lighting effects. It has the dynamic caching where instead of just allocating a flat amount of memory for tasks, um, it dynamically changes based on exactly what is needed. And then there's also a hardware accelerated mesh shading, which helps with the GPU visually represent and showcase more complex scenes and graphics. So these three things, these three features are in the new M3 chip as well. They're also in the iPhone 15 Pro's A17 Pro chip. So the Pro Max and the iPhone 15 Pro have these same visual graphics features. That's why you've seen announcements like uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Mirage coming to the iPhone, Resident Evil 4 coming to the iPhone, and then Resident Evil 4 is also coming to the Mac. And uh, that game Stray, which not is necessarily like a high, like super you know, graphics intensive video game, but Stray is also coming to the Mac in December. Uh, so these are games. Baldur's Gate 3 is already on the Mac with a Steam 
So Apple's getting there, but if you talk about gaming, I mean, no one, no one's still going to throw down, let's say, starting price point, $2,499 for an entry-level 16-inch MacBook Pro. The Based on what you can get in the PC market, and if you're specifically looking at gaming, Apple's not there yet. Now, is Apple improving gaming? 100%. Is Apple bringing in new titles? Yes. Are they getting them right when they come out? No. But you have... You know, some of the games of the year, they're not going to get the new Super Mario game. They're not going to get Spider-Man. Uh, Baldur's Gate is on there. So they be, and the, there's a few others, but of all the game of the year nominees, Apple has one of them on there. If Apple wants to be taken more seriously, and this takes time and it takes relationships with developers and it takes developers to commit. If Apple wants to really be considered more uh, seriously as a gaming machine, in my opinion, okay, I'm, I'm being optimistic. You're not going to get six out of six game game of the year nominees from the games award show but i think you have to have at least four of those titles on your platform if you're telling me you're a gaming plat you're also want to be taken seriously as a gaming platform so the m3 has all that i talked about the benchmarks earlier and the biggest thing is that 30 percent faster cpu 50 60 percent gpu sounds nice but Look, it all comes down to real-world applications. Yes, I'm a content creator. And so using video export times gives me a way to show the audience and myself how much does this matter. And what basically ends up happening is that when you look at all of the results, you know, when you export, you know, videos and you export these times and see what's the difference. I mean, I did something like a with Adobe Premiere, the latest version of Adobe Premiere, I have a 13-minute video, and if I'm someone who owns an M1 Max, it exports normally in 4 minutes and 27 seconds. Now, things can be optimized, but on the M3 Max MacBook Pro, that same video, and I render these out three times, and they are always within either exactly the same or one or two seconds off, that same video took 4 minutes and 34 seconds. It actually took a smidgen longer, and maybe they have to do some optimizations, but if you look at something as basic as like the entry-level M1, that's that exports that video out in 10 minutes and 38 seconds, okay? And so an M3 Max gets you four minutes, but based on what you're spending and the cost-wise, I mean, an M2 gets you at nine minutes and 46 seconds. A base-level M3 gets you at eight minutes and 57 seconds. Um, if you have an M1 Max or an M2 Max, you really don't need to upgrade to the M3 Max MacBook Pro unless you have to get space black and you're willing to throw down, and let's be honest, most of these content creators on YouTube and and social media who are buying this, the, you can ex, I, I can expense it as a business expense. I can use it as a business tool, but I don't need it. Like I'm not upgrading to M3 Max only because they made Apple Silicon so good that there's no reason for me to. If you look at something like if you're exporting out a 45-minute video, most people do not do this, but this aligns a little better. But this is just an indication of how you know improvement you get if you do something this big. The M1 Max exported a 45-minute video in 23 minutes. The M2 Max exported a 45-minute video in 18 minutes. And the M3 Max exported a video in 16 minutes. Do you, is that going to change your life? that much because with doing shorter videos that are around 10 or 13 minutes the reality is that that the time difference is is around 10 to 15 seconds difference it's not going to change much if you're a final cut pro users 
We know Apple's media engine tears through video. You can export out an Apple ProRes 422 high quality. If you have an M1 Max, a 15-minute video exported on that took 55 seconds. An M2 Max took 53 seconds to export that same video. An M3 Max took 52 seconds. So if you're using Final Cut Pro and exporting an Apple ProRes 422 high quality, which is very specific, but this is, again, an indication of, you know, this is Apple's optimized hardware and software solution. You're saving three seconds. Um, That's not going to be enough for me to upgrade my machine. So obviously, Apple knows this. Apple also really heavily promoted that if you own an Intel machine and it's time to upgrade, this is going to change your freaking life from the speed, the power, how quiet it is because the fan rarely goes off. And then also the heat. I I will tell you right now during I'm going to work on a game testing one until when more top tier titles come out on the Mac right now, there's a few, but you know, you got to have a more, more, uh, a larger collection to pull from of legitimate games that people go, okay, okay, okay. I got it. Uh, the only time the Apple MacBook fan pro fan goes off constantly is when I was actually playing Baldur's gate three. Right when I loaded the game, the fan turned on and it went on and stayed on the entire time. No other application or use case does the fan go off all the time. But with Baldur's Gate 3 and gaming, it totally did. And there's some screen tearing, there's some texture loading issues and visual issues here and there. Not major, but they're still happening and that machine is cranking hard. So if you're in the market for a new MacBook Pro, if you're an Intel, this is a no-brainer. If you even have an entry-level M1 and you really want to do more video work, just from a standpoint of it has the new media engine in it from an M1 Pro and higher, I would say, okay, I, that makes sense. But if you have an M1 Max, an M2 Max, don't get an M3 Max. It Unless you just have lots of money that you want to throw around. Like, really. That's my recommendation. But is it a great computer? It's absolutely a killer machine. I love it, but I'm not going to buy it. Like, I can love a machine... And be like, ah, I don't need to spend the money on this. And I can use those resources in other ways. Like I have some level of control. But there's a lot of, sometimes, you know, let's be real. There's some clout chasing where some, everyone has to have the newest model. And it's like, that's not real life, guys. That's that's not even what the viewers want or do. Like you've got to, let's just keep this like at least semi down to earth. Also, with the new MacBook Pros, there's some new Black Friday deals, the lowest they've ever been. If you go to places like B&H Photo, there's different deals available. But if you're looking at certain configurations for the M3 Pros or M3-based MacBook Pros, you could get up to $200 off on those machines. Apple's new M3 iMac gets major discounts also of up to $200 off for different M3 iMac configurations. Uh, that's a big, big deal. Right out of the gates. I mean, these things just came out. So if you want to keep your eye out on that, look out on that. All right, let's talk about some future products here. You want to talk iPads because 2023 was definitely not the year of the iPad, but 2024 looks like it if you're in the market for an iPad, which I don't know if I am. I mean, my M1 iPad Pro is still great and does everything I need it to do. And I, I you know, an OLED display that is rumored might be compelling ish, but I don't know. So anyways, according to Ming-Chi Kuo, right? Analyst, reporter, 
leaker. Apple is planning to add a new larger 12.9-inch iPad Air to an entirely refreshed iPad line coming next year where two iPad Air models are going to take priority in Apple's launch roadmap. So based on the latest outlook of the report, Quo predicts because there wasn't much movement in the iPad category this year because there were not iPad really any major exciting new iPad things going on. And the iPad is one of those products that people have owned one for five, six plus years and still use them exactly the same way. Watching movies, surfing the web, and playing some games. And they haven't needed to upgrade that much. So we're expecting a refreshed 10.9-inch iPad Air and a new 12.9-inch iPad Air with new chips inside scheduled for mass production in the first quarter of 2024. They will are expected, based on the reports from Ming-Chi Kuo, to have an LCD screen, so it will not be mini LED technology that's currently in the iPad Pro models. So that that it'll still have this um this new, not new, but the benefit from the Oxide backplane that offers better display performance, similar to the current 10.9-inch iPad Air that uses the same backplane. But no mini LED and obviously no OLED in the iPad Airs. Next in line for the iPad models in 2024, again, a renewed focus for the iPad, the OLED-based iPad Pro models. Those have been rumored for a long time, even rumors of potentially being able to charge things on the backside of the iPad. Maybe the back of the iPad Pro is going to be glass. Who knows, really? But Apple will launch a new 11-inch and 13-inch iPad Pro, a redesigned chassis, a new M3 chip in the second quarter of 2024. So that's kind of the big featured roadmap for how Apple wants to reinvigorate interest and tech and update the technology in the iPad lineup. He also believes that last on their 2024 production roadmap are the new iPad mini and then an 11th generation iPad. That's kind of the very, very entry level iPad that we've always seen that Apple has still has like the touch ID button and everything. Um, really their most affordable tablet, which is a crazy deal, quite honestly. Uh, you could be pretty darn solid just getting an 11th gen generate iPad as long as it has a new chip in it and do everything that you need to do. I mean, I still haven't migrated over doing anything like Final Cut Pro on an iPad on the road. I just haven't, and I'm still just cranking away with my laptop, and that's the way that I work the best. So that's how I'm. That's what I'm sticking to. So. We'll see what happens, but the expectation is the entire iPad lineup will be upgraded in 2024. We, you know, these are all rumors of timing, but according to Quo, it'll be the iPad Airs first, then the iPad Pros, and then the iPad Mini, and then the 11th generation iPad, which is that entry level model. Okay. I don't know if I should do this, but I'm going to do this because the report is out. Um, do you want to talk about what is dubbed Project Alaska? Does that sound cold? Well, this would be Apple's second generation Vision Pro headset. I'm not going to dwell on this too long, but I at least want to let you all know about it. So over the last several months, according to Mac rumors, there have been details shared with them about the device and reports of that second generation headset. And Apple and Apple Mac rumors is now revealing some of the insight into what they've learned about the design and hardware of this successor to the Vision Pro. So who knows if they'll call it Apple Vision Pro. Let's be honest, they'll probably just call it Apple Vision Pro and it'll be the 2023 model, or sorry, the next generation model, whatever year that comes out. I'm gonna guess sometime in 
geez, maybe 2025 or later. But the second generation Apple Vision Pro headset known internally under the code name Project Alaska and device identifier N109, according to Mac rumors, bears a striking resemblance to the first gen Vision Pro. Um, the device still has the curved aesthetics. The button placement is still the same. Um, but what appears to be different is that I don't know if you've seen it, but on the side, there are these like two oblong, like rounded, I don't know, I don't want to call them Pez, but it, you know, they, that's where the speakers are housed in the headset on the side. And these rounded areas that kind of pop up that the new headset will reportedly feature temples that are flat and uniform throughout the entire length. So you won't have these little bubbles on them. Um, documentation, they say that they have record, uh, related to the Alaska project contains references to a nondescript audio accessory, which is possibly an external speaker. And at one point in development, there were two different design configurations for the top vents, one being the same as the vents in the first generation Apple Vision Pro and a later one featuring two clusters of tiny speaker type holes. So right now, if you look at the Apple Vision Pro, there's like two large vents at the top edge. They're saying other ones would have, the other one has little cluster, little maybe potentially dots. So I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but they say another key difference has to do with the rear strap. The second generation headset will feature straps that are more simpler in design and appearance, more similar to flat straps that you commonly find on a laptop bag or backpacks and not that big material knitted soft kind of cradle in the back, which I actually think feels nice, but I don't know if it's tense enough. It might have a little too much give and that's, partially why when I've talked about it, the Vision Pro does still feel top heavy. So we'll see how that changes. Key hardware components of the second generation Apple headset, two micro OLED displays, one true depth camera, four computer cam vision cameras, two RGB cameras, two low light infrared illuminators. Um, this is all similar technology, quite honestly, um, but it's scheduled for a product validation testing, which is you know that last later stage of development in 2025, and it's suggested for a release date of 2020, late 2025 or early 2026. That is according to Mac Rumors sources. Take that how you will, but okay. That doesn't sound like it's anything drastic if it's to be believed. Like, I'm not going to do a video on this. I'm just not. It's That's one where I'm like, oh, that's a little too soon. Maybe maybe I'll have some a note on it at the end of my video just like I just did in this podcast but Project Alaska second generation Apple Vision Pro I'm still I'm still so curious to see how you all are going to respond to the Apple Vision Pro I kind of have an idea of how based on what I've seen so far and what I've used um and hope to see more of where I stand with it um but you know you always got to wait till the actual product comes out and see what happens so all right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Hey, we got to give a big shout out, a big thanks to our Apple Patreon supporters at the Platinum Apple $100 level. That's Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Gregory Ford. Thank you for your support. Thank you to all of you. This, I mean, again, I, I hope you've seen the content I've been pumping out. Like I am pumping and cranking and it's wild and there's still so much to come. And I do think 2024 is going to be pretty amazing. And I still have so much to catch up on as well, but I'm just putting my head down and doing the best that I can. So 
We'll talk to you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. I guess we'll have another show coming up pretty pretty soon, creeping up on this one. But take care. Be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.